Hi, I'm Dr. Gil Wilshire. I'm a board-certified physician, surgeon, and reproductive endocrinologist. Welcome to my series of podcasts where we discuss medical matters that matter to you. I'll be interviewing top experts in their fields, and we'll also be delving into fascinating backstories from deep within the world of medicine. Welcome to the Dr. Gill Show. This is where we talk about medical matters that matter to you. Our guest today is Dr. Pat Ryan. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thank you, Gil. It's nice to be here. Pat is a dentist, and I have to say right off the bat that he is my dentist, and he's been taking care of me for many years. Uh, he takes care of my family, and I have a, a great affection for Pat because he's a, a great dentist and, and a great guy. It's very kind of you to say, Gil. I'm pleased to be here. I think the same of you, so this is great. This is wonderful. So today we're going to be talking about dentistry and all the various facets of it and why people might want to go to a dentist or when they should go to a dentist. So I'd like to start out these interviews learning a little bit about you. Um, I, I see from your, your bio here that you went to the University of Missouri, Columbia, and you were originally a journalism major. That, that is correct. <clears throat> I started in journalism. Um, I grew up in Columbia, so I'm, I'm not a true townie. I was uh, born in Nebraska, but moved here when I was five. So went to school here, stuck around for uh, obvious reasons, thinking I wanted to be a journalism major. Great J school here. It, so. It's perhaps the best journalism school in, in, in the country. It consistently ranks very high, yes. Very high. So really special. So you were in the best school. You're doing good, having a good time. And then did something happen? Did, did a light click? Uh, uh, switch go off? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I did a semester in Europe through a, a journalism program here at MU. Um, I was an intern for a magazine in, in London. And um, I realized that I enjoyed writing, but it was something that I could do more as a hobby. And if I wanted to do anything in the future, like go back to London or anywhere else in Europe to travel, it's going to be kind of tough to do that on a on a journalism salary. Yes, yes. There's a, like I, I'm also a, a musician or a, a right amateur musician, and uh, very few musicians can actually make a really good living doing a, something like that. Right, right. I I had some serious doubts about whether or not I had the stuff to be at the top of that game. Um, and uh, my father retired now, but is a dentist. So I grew up in the business. I grew up around the business, I should say. Did he push you to be a dentist when you were a he, young kid? Or? He never did. He, uh -huh. uh, he, never, he never pushed any kind of career on me at all. If, if anything, I felt a lot of pressure to maybe go to like Notre Dame because it was his favorite ah. school, and he loved watching college football. Was it a Catholic family? Oh, yeah. We're, 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 we're ra we were raised Catholic. Notre Very Dame's Catholic where you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that was the only quote unquote pressure I ever really felt. Uh -huh. But um but no I, as a as a summer job I did work in his office. I assisted him uh with procedures so I had some exposure to it. You knew what it was about. I knew what it was about. Yeah. Um and this was not some cush you're my kid, just show up whenever you want to and leave whenever you want to. I'm, I mean I I put in a day's work, a week's mm -hmm. work and and so I, I learned a lot. I got I was getting better with my hands. Some of the some of the things that you have to do are a little bit artistic. Yes. Um, you have to have very good hands. Yeah. 
And, and so it, at some point it did just click. Oh, I'm, I'm decent at this and I do enjoy it. It doesn't, doesn't gross me out. Um, it's a good way to get into healthcare um, without um, doing anything too risky. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of a danger. Well, before sure. COVID, there wasn't right, a lot right, of danger. Right. But, um, um, and, and it also gave me an opportunity to be in, in a profession where I could be my own boss, right. um, which is very appealing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is kind of a nice mix of uh, medicine and small business. Right. right. So it just, it, it made sense. So how does an undergrad with a journalism major <laughs> of, of get into dental school? Because I, I assume you didn't do all the organic chemistry and math sure. and physics and stuff. Sure. Um, so my senior year, I find myself in basically bio one, chem one, <laughs> physics one, with all the weed out courses with all yeah. these pre-med students. Right. Um, and... And it was it was kind of weird because you look back and you say, oh, I remember being this way and not taking this seriously. And so it, it worked out well for me because at that point I was committed to my career. I knew what I had to do. I knew I, I was I was ready to study. I'd had all the yes. goofiness, yes. all the all the yeah, dorm I was room goofy my freshman year yeah. too. And then you get I, serious I, near I, the end. I got all of that out of my system and I and right. I was ready, which was good because yeah. that. I mean, that's a tough slate to take. Every semester for yeah. basically, I mean, basically for two straight years, it was biochemistry, physics. You um, had to make up. Yeah, I had to catch up because mm -hmm. all I was doing was English classes and journalism stuff. So copy editing and, you know, I, I wrote for uh, I wrote for the Columbia Missourian as part oh. of my I mean, that's part of the curriculum. That's part of why MU has such a good J school because they have that and they have the they have TV, they have radio, they have. Yeah, they yeah. have it all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a dramatic shift now do they have dental admission tests like dtad or mk there's mcats and GREs yeah so and so they have the dat the, the dat dental, the dental aptitude test which is very right. similar to the mcat i mean you're going to do a lot of chemistry um there's a there's a biology a chemistry and a physics section right there's a math section uh -huh. that they break up into some basic math and then some word problems how'd you the, do on the dat i did well on the dat um, right. I don't, I can't even remember how they score it, but you did well enough. And then you applied to dental schools. Correct. And did you apply to a bunch of dental schools or did you have a favorite? I applied to, um, UMKC, uh, in Kansas city. Uh, cause that's where just about everybody in town goes. Um, and I applied to Creighton. Creighton was at the top of my list. Again, that is in Omaha, Nebraska, where I was born. Um, I still had a lot of extended family there. Um, I knew it was a good school. Yeah. Um, my dad was a legacy there. Um, oh, he wasn't kicking any donor dollars or anything, but you know, that stuff, that stuff helps. Oh, it doesn't hurt being um, a legacy. Yeah. So, so I, I had a lot of ties to that university already. In fact, most of my family, anytime there was an Omaha wedding, it happened on that, in that church on their campus. And you so and you got in and I got in a journalist, in. a I journalist. Did. I did. Um, <laughs> a retread journalist. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, there were, you know, there were quite a few people that had been waitlisted. I had a guy in my class that had been doing advertising for 10 years and switched. Um, so you do get, an, you, you also get people that are just too smart and don't even know what to do with themselves. And they get into dental school and it just comes very naturally to them. They yeah. weren't even sure they wanted to do it. 
right. people, of course, yeah. irked me a little bit because I, right, yeah, I had to work. Yeah, I had to work. I interviewed but... one earlier. Just so smart, he could do whatever he wants. <laughs> right. I know, yeah, those right. people. So you got into dental school, and you got a degree called a DDS. Is that a Doctor of Dental Surgery? Do- doctor of Dental Surgery is what it's is what it's called. Yeah. Now I also see on 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 the placards around sure. dental. Sometimes I see D. D-M-D. DMD, a doctor of medical dentistry. Correct. Pat, what is the difference? There is no difference. There's no difference. There, like an there MD really and a DO. There really isn't any exactly. difference it, nowadays. It just depends on what university you graduate from. Some prefer to call it a DMD. Some prefer to call it a DDS. Um, so there is no there is no difference. Doesn't mean that one is better filling cavities or, or doing surgical work in your mouth. Uh, correct. That is correct. It doesn't mean somebody's more qualified to do a certain procedure. So, would you call your practice a general dental practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did not take any um, advanced training. So, you know, there, dentistry has several specialties. There's oral surgery. Okay. Um, there's endodontics, which what is... What is endodontics? Endodontics please? is uh, root canal specialist. So... These guys do root canals all day, all day long. Um, they, there, there are some other surgical procedures that they can do that the general dentist could be trained to do. But, um, you know, I usually, if there's a tooth that is very complicated to navigate, the root is very crooked or, uh, the symptoms just don't seem to quite match up with a tooth infection. I will often refer to an endodontist for that. So are they so they have endodontists and are they busy? I mean Yeah, I think they stay pretty busy. A lot a lot of practices and fortunately for me I'm there right now. We're we're busy. And a root canal is going to take me into a room a procedure for about an hour and a half. Um, and if I can send that out and be free to do a few other things, I'm generally going to be a little bit more productive in my day. Makes sense. Um so a lot of dentists will refer all of those out, um, you kind of, as a general dentist, you just kind of, it's always a case by case basis. Gotcha. Cause I, I know for once again, for the sake of full disclosure, you did a, you may not remember, you did a root canal on my left lower canine. Right. Did, did a fantastic job. Thank you. And we're going to talk about <laughs> how you got me out of pain and horrible tooth pain. What's that's that's about. But it's almost any medical specialty. If a person is good at doing it, they're, right. they're, 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 they, they're allowed to do it. They have their privileges. They, they should do it. Correct. Right. And most of us, you know, we, we police ourselves. We kind of know what we're good at. Right. You know, some surgeons say, you know what, I'm just not good at that. Let's send them to Wilshire. Or hey. if I get something that could be cancer, I'm going to send them, for example, to Crowder. Right. We, we don't want to do cases we're not going to do a good job doing right yeah exactly you know like a, a periodontist that's a specialty that's the next specialty and, yeah, what is that so that's bone and gum okay so these are people that have uh, significant bone loss um severe gum recession um they're going to be treating that form of disease um so sometimes that's just uh, a more invasive cleaning but a lot of times it's a more surgical based procedure cutting a Cutting a flap in the gum, exposing some bone, treating it with some medicine, suturing things back up. Ah, things that just get it is a type of surgery. It is a type of surgery. So things that get a little more complicated. Again, things that would be very time consuming for me in my office. And things that I just had a very limited exposure to in dental school. In fact, that I think the one flap surgery I ever participated in with one of my instructors, 
the same week we had a um, assisting school. So we had dental assisting, uh, dental assistants or trainees uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. that were supposed to be assisting us. And this girl, this poor girl, she, um, we cut the first flap. And as soon as that gum started bleeding, you could just see her eyes roll back and her face went white. Turned white and then boom. She went back and as she went <laughs> back, her foot came up and kicked the tray of all the surgical instruments <laughs> up in the air. <laughs> this happens. So, so, so this, this happens. This happens. So, you know, that was an early, I think an early sign that that was something I wasn't meant to do, to do necessarily. Now, will we'll, we'll, a general... I assume a you know a civilian with a tooth problem, they could probably notice some recession of the gum. Sure, they're really not. But I guess a tooth might be getting a little loose if they're getting some bone loss. Sure, usually, um, usually periodontal disease is kind of a silent, uh, ah. a silent thing. People don't realize it's as severe as it is until it is too late. Um, if bone loss gets significant enough, they can have what is called a periodontal abscess as opposed to a dental abscess so the the area around the tooth infects not the tooth itself oh so you can get an abscess in the tooth yes you can and the endodontal root canal people can get it out that way correct and then you've got the periodontal abscess and the best person might be the specialist in periodontal disease correct so a person with a with receding gums some, some loose teeth they would go to you and you essentially triage them. You Basically, would say, hey, yeah. this is what I'm good at. This is what mm-hmm. you got. Maybe you better see yeah. this other specialist. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So we do. We first, spend a You see them first. We're usually the gatekeeper, the general dentist. Right. Um, the oral surgeons in this town will not just schedule a patient. They want to hear from the dentist that is treating that patient. So first. they don't waste their time. But exactly. Uh, periodontists are the same way. Endodontists are the same way. You usually don't. Unless you've already established care at that place, you're not just going to say, I have a root canal. I'm going to go see the endodontist in town. You go see the dentist first. They pair you up with whoever, and and you go from there. Now, is there a specialty called prosthodontics? Yeah, prosthodontics is um, – prosthodontics is uh, – it can be very all-encompassing, okay? So we're talking hmm. about people that are partially edentulous. They're missing some teeth. Okay. Um, so this is going to be the guys that have specialty training in um, dentures, partial dentures. Um, they have some advanced training with uh, restoring implants, possibly placing implants. Some prosthodontics or some prosthodontists um, are very well versed in uh, facial prostheses as well. So say uh, a gunshot wound, wound victim uh, replacing part of a cheek or part of a nose oh. or even an eyeball. That's complicated. Um, yeah, that that takes that takes a lot, Ooh. a lot of training. Um, now, do you have a prosthodontist in your office? Uh, yeah, I do. You have a very good yeah, one, I believe. I do. I'm Dr. Abel, John Abel, is uh, practicing with us part time. Um, he is in a constant state of semi retirement. Um, but he can't. He can't get away. But he he can, loves he, his job. He cannot get away. And he is a true artist yeah. too. He, he creates did. a mouth. Yes, a new smile. For yes. Someone. How how life changing is that? Um, it, it's it's pretty impressive to watch him work and and the results he gets just from the years of knowledge and the years of training he's had. Um, you know, dentistry is going more digital. They're going to start three D printing all these dentures or milling wow. them from a block. This guy, ta- you know, he orders molds of teeth. He uses wax. He uses acrylics. He 
builds this thing himself. Sculpts it. Yeah. It's it it's really impressive. And and the results we get. I'm gonna brag on him because Please. I think he's fantastic. But the Please, results I, we I, get I know with some him, people that love him. And you're not I mean, you're not gonna make everybody happy. You right. know, just just like in any service that you provide. But the vast majority of the cases I do with him, we have uh, we have high success, we have a lot of patient satisfaction. Yeah, he's 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 special. He's special. Now I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Sure. I see all these ads on TV for one or two national chains. Yeah. That will restore your smile in one visit or whatnot. Yeah. For fairly cheap. And of course they have pictures of people with beautiful teeth biting into corn cobs and <laughs> chewing various uh, challenging foods. But I hear on the street that that there's a high failure rate. Well, that so these people that it doesn't last, it's not a durable repair. You got to keep going back. And all of a sudden you've got sub possibly I'm not I'm not I don't sure. want to put anybody down. That's why I'm asking sure. you. It's just kind of I hear I'm not a dentist that it might look good, but it's not durable work. What do you what do you hear? Well, so I mean this this is medicine. This is science. Okay. There are there are rules that we have to follow. There are certain parameters that you have to operate within. Um, whether that's um, the space between the upper and lower jaw. If it's narrow, you're not going to get away with certain things because, again, if they don't have a lot of room in their mouth and you make a thin denture to fit that, it's going to be thin enough that it could break. How about these same-day sure. implants and stuff? Are they going to stay stuck in your bone? I mean, that has to root in there. If yeah. done properly, they, they do have a high success rate. But, again, part of that is material selection. What diameter of implant are you using? You know, they have some that are essentially placed like with a like a pneumatic nail gun. So they're thin. Well, uh, and those aren't going to they're, – they're just not as durable. Whereas if you use a, a four-millimeter diameter or a five-millimeter diameter and you put them in the right places. That's a big one. Is that that's, a big one? That's a big one. It's a big um, stud. You, you could put, for instance, on the upper jaw if you want – if you need an upper denture. If you place – five to six implants in the right places, you have the right space between that and the lower teeth, you could load a denture on it that day. And because they're in the right place and that denture fits like it's supposed to, it basically splints those together. So then that, what we call osseointegration, where the bone grows around the implant can happen. Now, if you're doing that with a single implant, or say you've got two implants on right and left side, and that denture rocks, and that bone hasn't accepted it yet. It's going to fail. It's going to fail. It's so, uh, so we can't make it. We can't say, "Gee, these same day places are a bad choice, or you're saving money." We, I guess, we have to trust them, like any other colleague, sure. that they're going to do the right thing for the sure. right person. Sure. Not overpromise. Yeah, you're. To the layperson, it's going to be very tricky because they're not going to know. Right. Oh, what, I what, know. I, what I see on this commercial that's beautiful teeth and they're eating corn mm -hmm. on the cob. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what could go wrong? Right. And, and the thing that that commercial will never bring up is going to be cost. I mean, well, they it's, say it's cheaper than, it's, than your colleague who's top dollar sure. for top work. Sure. Um, but is it going to be as successful? Right. right. Um, so, you know, part of that is. Those places are owned by a corporation, not right. the dentists themselves. So, 
right? There are corporate masters. There are corporations buying IVF practices in my world. Exactly. And I know they they, they say everyone is special, but, they, but this is a corporate board that wants sure. profit, that wants sure. a, you know, profits and losses, and that's what they're going to look at. Sure. So, so there are, I mean, there are guys in town that I would trust to do that type of procedure. And we've done that type of procedure as, right. a, as a team, you know, they've placed the implants. We've had the denture ready to go. Um, at one of these national chains. I have not done it at an, I have not done it with one of the national chains here in town. No. Okay. That's kind of, kind of my question. Sure. I guess it's always caveat emptor buyer beware. Sure. Um, but I, I'm, I'm comforted to know that it's not, we can't make a blanket statement. Gee, these are incompetent people you're gonna you're gonna lose it's a bad idea i guess it always as it always comes down to the practitioner and i i would like to add another important component to that is uh patient selection right Um, if you've got a heavy smoker that bone isn't going to heal it doesn't matter what you do if you've got an uncontrolled diabetic they're not going to heal like they're supposed to and um that person in the commercial that's eating corn on the cob right they're not walking right out of the office and having that there are some strict you know don't do this for a month it or has two to integrate it, right has to exactly. okay. so so uh, that's a that's another big a big part of it gotcha gotcha now are there pediatric dentists mm-hmm. yeah they're they're an extra year or two of training to it's do that? i believe it's i believe it's two additional years um so you know not a lot of different science to it um the, the procedures are very similar. Some some things are different. You can't really do a root canal on a, on a child's tooth, on a, on a baby tooth. Uh, the anatomy is different. Um, a lot of that is going to be additional, like, growth and development training. Um, also, um, behavior uh, and, how to, and how to control behavior. You know, kids and growth and development and that sure. sort of thing. So I didn't think of that. Yeah. But, of course, you yeah. got Like, I know the, the ENT doctors in my hospital, when they're doing a tonsil, they have a red wagon. They have a flyer or one of those flexible flyer, whatever it is, wagon. They put them in there and they wheel right. Yeah, exactly. The teddy bear. The exactly. Anesthesia knows how to deal with right. these, these specialists. And the parents who are it, yeah. scared in the, back, it, in the back. When you have that specialty, it is it makes it a little bit easier to kind of call your shots. So, like, keep the parents in the waiting room. Um but with the kid to the last second. And yeah, right. Yeah, you, have right. To, you have to have systems. You, you, right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, again, it's a specialty. It's a, it is a very useful specialty. Uh, I think the vast majority of the population doesn't need to take their – I mean, we see kids as early as three. Um, we've seen them earlier than that, too. And most kids generally do well. If, if I'm calling a pediatric dentist, it's because the kid is – has some kind of other systemic disease. They're congenitally missing a lot of teeth. They're going to have problems throughout um, cleft lip and cleft palate. You want to get them involved in stuff like that. Um, And the more stubborn or unruly kid usually ends up going to the pediatric. They're not going to sit still for me. Um, That usually comes down to fear from the parents or just a general lack of trust uh, of an adult or white coat. Right. Syndrome or whatever. But, you know, they're, they're very handy for that. Um, the other kids that come in, I, there are plenty that will come in and you can look at it and say, I know exactly how to treat this, but I don't want to put this kid through 10 visits to get it done. Let me send you to the pediatric dentist. They have hospital privileges. They will sedate. They will do it all. Right. This kid will wake up and have no memory or fear or anything regarding this. You don't want to start them out at a young age fearing 
the dentist because that's just going to carry on through. That's a very good point, very thoughtful. And that's a perfect segue into the uh, life cycle of dentistry. So let's talk about kids. A parent has a kid. The kid is healthy. Teeth have come in okay, baby teeth. Is there, do you have any guidance on when should a parent bring an otherwise healthy kid to a dentist? Okay, so again, I'll give you the official answer and then kind of what we recommend. I want to know what Pat does. Sure, right, I, I know. So the, the official recommendation is six months after the first baby tooth erupts. Most it comes kids, through the gums. comes through the gums, okay. exactly. So that usually happens. The first tooth usually comes in around six months of age. So you're exactly. seeing this kid at one. Um, I believe that recommendation is more for the parents. Um, some people need to be educated on how to take care of their kids. Exactly. Um, you don't you don't want to be putting your kid down with a bottle at bedtime. You don't right. want to introduce teeth, you don't want to introduce sugars too soon, uh, whether that's juice or believe it or not soda. Um, oh yeah, I've that's, seen soda yeah, in bottles. Yeah, yeah. not not good. So right. so at one, unless the parent at one year of age, unless the parent has just totally dropped the ball, you're not going to find anything of note in there. Um, they're they're not going to lay still for you to clean their teeth. Um, so again, I find that that is more for educational purposes. Um, the most you're going to do with a kid between one and three is what we call a lap exam. Kid sits facing mom or dad in their lap. They lean the kid back into your lap. And if they open wide, you get to take a quick look and just, okay, tissue looks okay. Teeth are coming in in the right order. That's about all you're looking for. Gotcha. We usually start seeing kids about three um, on average. Uh, they can cooperate. They can follow some commands. You can actually get out the little tooth polisher and, and brush their teeth. Um, and it's just a good way to introduce them to the whole process. Would they see a hygienist too? Uh, they can most of the time unless they have heavy buildup and actually need some of the the physical scaling with those metal instruments. Wow. Um, we'll have the dental assistant polish their teeth. Doc will come in and do the exam. Um, if they're high risk for decay, a little fluoride treatment. Um, and, and then they just kind of get used to us. These are the sounds. These are what, these are the sights. These are the tastes, you know, right, all, all right, of that kind right, of stuff. Right, right, right. And I think they still put fluoride in water. They do. They do. Um, most, in most places. Yeah. Now they do here in Columbia. They do here in Columbia. In Absolutely. Columbia, Missouri. Now, is there any controversy left with fluoride? I mean, it seems the science is pretty solid that it, it lessens tooth decay. Sure. Um, yeah, I think the statistics show if you want to think of fluoride as a vaccine, you could probably call it the most effective vaccine in the history of medicine because of, Love the, it. Because of the way it has decreased decay. Now, there are some people that say it's dangerous. And yes, at the right levels or sure. at the wrong levels, it's dangerous. Right. Sure. There are other people that say it's forced medication. Um, I, I hear all of that. Right. Um, but from a sheer effectiveness standpoint, uh, very beneficial. The numbers I, don't I, lie. I mean, you can look at decay in, in, in fluoridated versus unfluoridated water supply. Exactly. These are real hard numbers, and they're reproducible over it, the ages. Exactly. And, and okay. again, um, that'll, that'll show across the spectrum, too. You know, socioeconomically, uh, more impoverished people, if they have that in their supply, they're, they're going to have a little bit of a leg up because they're not getting routine care. They're not going gotcha. to see the dentist. So it's beneficial in those aspects as well. Yeah, and... You know, this is not a crazy notion, even in primary care medicine. There are some advocates that say you should only go to a doctor when you're sick. Right. And 
because I mean you've got to look at the ups and end of uh, the pluses and the minuses, and it is not it is not a Looney Tune statement to say hey if you're basically healthy and things are working, you know why mess with it? Exactly. Is it cost effective? Because this is a low risk population. Look at the cost of it: false positives, excessive, uh, you know, unnecessary procedures, all these things. So it, it, it's certainly not uh, unreasonable to talk about hey. Maybe maybe three, maybe one is too early. Right, right. And and again, it's it just it's always a case by case basis. I mean, yeah, yeah there there are going to be kids that probably do need to be seen a little bit. Again, your kid that's born with a cleft lip and palate, right? They're going to be put in dental care pretty quick because right there the are, back. I mean, there's plastic surgeries, there's timelines. The teeth are supposed to come. You know, there are there are dates and deadlines that you have to hit to have better outcomes. Right, so if a parent notices something's just just off in the mouth, they should probably take their kid to a general dentist. Absolutely. You can give it a once-over. Are the right teeth coming in? Are they coming in on time? Right. Are they coming in funny shape? Because there's other bizarre things you can see, right? Sometimes teeth don't come in, right? Absolutely. I had a patient um, this morning with two false teeth. They just never came right. in, and it runs in her family. Common. Right? Commonly happens with the upper lateral incisors, the two just outside of the center two. Um, there are some bottom ones that it can happen with as well. And again, it's nice to catch that stuff early. That way you can prepare for that down the road. Hey, mom, dad, this is going to be a little bit expensive when they hit 10 or 12 or whatever. So, you know, maybe start planning for that now. Um, now, let me talk about facial structure. I don't know if you know anything about this, but there's a dent. This is big in the. Uh, nutrition world, mm -hmm. uh, paleo diet world. There was a doctor named Weston Price. Sure. He was a dentist and he went to, I don't know what you call them. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to even use the word primitive. Let's say less developed countries where they ate traditional diets. And he noticed that their faces were wider. They had more room for their teeth. They had, you know, and I have a very, I had to have four teeth pulled. I have a rather mm -hmm. narrow face. Right. And could that be because my mother ate grains, or I ate too many grains. I didn't eat enough meat or nutrient-dense foods or when I was developing. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, well, um, so actually, yeah. Um, my story would go back to uh, graduating from MU. I had to, because I was a journalism major and I was then pre-dental, I wasn't really going to get a specific degree. So I ended up in the School of Interdisciplinary Studies, which is under communications, basically. Uh, my capstone project was writing a research paper, picking a faculty advisor, having them um, you know, review it, grade it, all of that. So because I was going into dentistry, I, I did kind of a deep dive on uh, forensics and not the CSI type of forensics, like bite marks on rape victims or anything right, right, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking more at... Uh, carbon dating in enamel and they could figure out what era you know this animal was from where it froze yeah. um but one of one of the rabbit holes that led me down was um wisdom teeth that most of us have taken out back then were an adaptative advantage because yeah. because our diet wasn't so refined we were eating a lot of coarse yeah, so, and they were worn down. They were chewing exactly. hides, and there was sand in the food. As your teeth wear down, they tend to shift forward. And so then you have room for those wisdom teeth to come in. So if you make it to 18 or 20 back then, 
all of a sudden you got a new set of teeth to chew with. You probably expanded your life a couple more years. Uh, kind of weird, isn't it? No. <laughs> At first blush, yes. Sure. But you think about it, it makes it because if everybody has them, they must have been important. Right. And had an, an evolutionary advantage. And and now, because diets are more refined, we have preventive care. People have a healthy set of 28 teeth. They right. don't have room for these extra 32. four to come in. Yeah. The, the extra four, the 32. Right. Those are the wisdom teeth. So How I remember, there's a Grateful Dead song called Alabama Getaway, and it goes, uh, 32, de- 32 teeth in a jawbone. Alabama's gun run Alabama's uh, something running for none or shooting for <laughs> was, none or I was, something. I was gonna say. Sorry, <laughs> Alabama. I'm not Al- sure how many teeth are <laughs> in, your, in your mouth. Going for none. Means you can just gonna punch his teeth out. <laughs> That's how I remember that. Thirty two teeth in the jawbone. Yeah, so is it so um other thing in, in children. Now obviously when the when the permanent teeth start coming in, when is that around five, six, seven, eight? Um when yeah, usually you'll start seeing on average, it's seven years old. Uh, that's the first molar is called the six-year molar as well because it usually shows up sometime around six. Right around the same time, the lower front two baby teeth start falling out. But I Got see it. it happening anywhere between five and eight years old. So the new teeth start coming in. Obviously, that's a good time to start habits of brushing, flossing, Correct. not eating sweets at night, at bedtime, all that kind of Correct. stuff. Yeah, hopefully a lot um, of those habits are already in place with the baby teeth. Um, but routine care, as those start coming out and the permanent ones start coming in, is important because, again, things can get off track. A tooth can come in out of place or in the wrong order. So if a parent notices that, they should go to a general yeah. dentist. And Absolutely. I know you've got little spacers and whatnot, and you can sure. nudge it in the right place sure. while they're still young, and then the other ones can come in smoother. Absolutely. We can do those things. Try to, and try to avoid maybe the... The other specialty, the orthodontics. Orthodontics, exactly. Um, uh, and again, there are plenty of people out there that do need orthodontics, uh, whether they have um, most of the uh, quote-unquote need is going to come from somebody with a skeletal discrepancy, uh, a lower jaw that is outpacing the mid-face or a, or a mid-face that is outpacing the lower jaw. That's ah. where you used to hear about um, headgear. Um, that's how they here. Yeah. yeah you remember the, the, the straps. Yeah. And yeah. I do. And, and the rubber bands and, and all yeah, that stuff. That, that's where that stuff kind of came from. Uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, my mid face was too narrow. Um, I had to go see my orthodontist and he put in a palatal expander. He had to spread yeah. the roof of my mouth apart so that it was wider than my jaw. Um, gotcha. and so you're in something like that for six months. And, yeah. They were talking yeah. about one of those with me. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Again, we that's one of the ways we met was um, right. doing Invisalign. That's right. And, We're going to get to that. I want to talk about that with and, you. And again, you're 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 an adult. Uh, Nobody wanted to do midline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. And and I was old. I was in my fifties, and nobody wanted to try with me. You but, took a risk with me. Well, I, it wasn't a risk. It was. Um, you had the experience and the confidence. It would work. It was it was managing expectations. You know, uh, I, I told you off the bat, I'm not going to make these sit outside your elbows, but I can right. get those front six to eight straight, which is what you wanted. Which is what I wanted. Yeah. And, and you can do that and and not make a huge mess out of things. You know, yeah. not not yeah. with everybody, but again, yeah, case I, selection, managing right. expectations, all right. of those things. And at the end, I want to talk about cosmetic dentistry at the end sure. here. Where we can talk about that a little bit more. So you've got a child, teeth are coming in. Kid gets a toothache. Mm-hmm. Parent brings him in. 
Um, how, how do you diagnose a cavity? Um, well, there, okay, so there are several ways that you can do that. Um, tactile is, is, the, is the first go-to usually, especially on what, a little What's one. tactile? So you're going to do it by feel. You're going to have an, uh, an instrument called an explorer. It's got a thin little metal tine on it, and you're going to trace along the grooves of the teeth. Um, and if, it, if you can feel it dip into a groove and do a little sticky area, you can feel it. Sometimes you can hear it. That's, when, that's, that's one way to know. If the kid's coming in with a toothache, they've probably already got a pretty big hole in their tooth, and you can just uh, visualize that. Okay. Um, the, the next step would be um, a radiograph, an X-ray. An X-ray. Um, you're gonna want to image. Uh, you're gonna want to image. I would recommend imaging any baby tooth with a cavity in it. The reason being, the nerve in the center of a baby tooth is very large. Huh. Very large, and that's why they infect easier. Doesn't take a big cavity. Doesn't take a big cavity because the nerve takes up so much more room internally. So you need to know where that nerve is before you go in and start. Because if you're going to expose that thing, you need to be prepared for it. You need to prepare the parents for it, or the kid for it. Gotcha. So, so, so tactile, visual, um, whether that's with your own eyes or with a radiograph. X-ray. Now, if you catch a cavity when it's small, is that a good thing? Just yeah. like anything in medicine, catch it early. Absolutely. Um, when you, uh, the later in the game you are, the more tooth structure you're going to have to take away. I don't care what material you replace that with; it's not as strong as your own tooth. And so, if you catch one when it's small, and you can do a small procedure, you know, I'm only going two millimeters into this tooth, and I'm only cutting a two millimeter wide box. Whereas opposed to, I've got to destroy this whole biting surface just to get all of this out. You put the filling in there, probably within the next five years, they're going to break a piece of that tooth. Yeah. And then you're moving on to the next, then it needs a crown. And after the crown, because it's been worked on two or three times, the tooth just gets angry and it has the abscess. So then you're doing a root canal. Gotcha. And then the root canal, because it weakens the tooth, tooth fractures, needs to be removed. Now you're getting an implant, an implant or a partial denture or something gotcha. like that. So the smaller you can, the, the quicker you catch it, you're setting that person up to keep that tooth for a longer part of their life. Now, in used, most cases. Right. Now, they used to use a lot of these mercury, what they call mercury mm -hmm. fillings. They're not all yeah. mercury. They're amalgams. Mm -hmm. They're mixtures of metal and mercury is part of it. Right. Um, do you still use mercury amalgams? Um, occasionally. Again, if, if, if it's called for. And yeah, they're called amalgam fillings because they're amalgamation of metal, tin, copper, zinc, all of those things. Um, you don't you like to mix it up? You've got a machine there's, that, that right. mixes it up fresh, so, right? So there's a little capsule, and on one side are all your metal components, and on the other side is your liquid mercury, which is, it's not uh, the elemental mercury. It's it's not the same stuff as in thermometers, but still. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of studies out there that go various directions on that. Okay. Um, but anyway, yes, that triturator will mix the two together. So you're mixing it up fresh. And right. It's going to set. Right. So then you, you have to scoop it out. You have to pack it in the tooth, and you have to pack it and pack it. And then you add another layer, and you pack it and you pack it. Um, I will use those um, if the patient has existing metalwork already. Say they have a gold crown, and I need to fill along the edge of that gold crown. I'm going to use... An amalgam, because I don't need 
because I'm not going to get bonding to the metal. Composite relies entirely on how it bonds or glues to a surface. Composite, that's the other that's, substance that's we're going to talk about. That's your tooth-colored filling, okay? Okay. Let's um, just finish on the mercury sure, here. Sure, um, you know, People used to think that mercury was getting in their blood and they were getting mm -hmm. sick and they'd go in and spend thousands mm -hmm. of dollars getting all their cavities sure. ripped out and replaced. Do you have any thoughts on mercury fillings? Do you think there are any documented cases where it is harmful to a person's health or some or there's a particular person that's hypersensitive that's overly I, sensitive i fully suspect that there are people that are hypersensitive to it i don't understand the science behind it um but if if you've in in my view if you've got a stable mercury filling in your mouth an amalgam filling it's not broken it's not leaking it's not causing you pain leave it alone where is it going to go? I got to drill that thing out, right? Right. Where's all that metal going to go? Well, some of it's going to go in my straw. You don't think right. you're going to inhale? I mean, if you're really that worried about ingesting some kind of mercury and it getting into your system, yeah. a surefire way to do it is to drill that thing out of your... Drill that. Because how much really gets into your blood from a tooth? Exactly. It can't, can't be much. It can't be much. And again, the science out there is, mm. is pretty muddy. I mean, the... It's muddy. Yeah, it's a hard thing to study. I right. mean, because we, we live in a... A world of toxins anyway how do you do a controlled right. study where that's the only variable right and you know i mean the ada is going to come out the american dental association and they have okay. for years mercury amalgam fillings are safe all right that's the party line but, but they got to say that right because right, right, right how many of them are out there in people's heads i mean that used to be the only option that there was right um the only the only studies i've seen that show um Absorption into the bloodstream were done on sheep. They were done a long time ago, and it seems like it was widely discredited. The type of mixture they were using to fill these teeth, the way the sheep chews, huh? um, all, all of those things, you know, probably led to some false positives, if you will. Not a perfect model. Yeah, exactly. That. So nowadays, what type of material do you use to fill a, fill a, a, a cavity? So right now, we're usually using a composite. What's um, a composite? Composite is a, is, it's a plastic. Um, it's a bisphenol-free plastic, at least from every time I ask my dental reps. I yeah. always check on that. Um, the composite starts out as uh, like a putty. It's, it's almost like a dough. You can knead it. You can place it. You can pack it. You can do some things with it. And it, it comes that way. It comes that way. It okay. comes in a little capsule. It's light sensitive. So you use an ultraviolet uh, light to cure that material in place. That sets it, makes it, it hard. And it sets it and makes it hard. Okay. Um, and does it actually chemically bond to, it, to your tooth? It does chemically bond to the tooth. Um, on a microscopic level, there are some pre-treatments you do before you place that material so that it actually sticks to the tooth. Um, I guess if you wanted to get real technical about it you could call it bonding or you could call it micro mechanical retention you're making yeah, that yeah, tooth yeah, yeah. stiff in certain places so that that composite can leak into those little stiff areas and lock into place they do that with artificial hips and stuff there's they have a rough mm -hmm. it's cast in sand in fact right it's grainy like sand and the, and the body just it's not growing into the metal but it's growing it, tightly it, to it exactly it, exactly around those rough spots exactly so that's, I mean, that's, that's probably the, the most popular material. Um, glass ionomer is another one out there that um, is nice in the right circumstances. 
same sort of process. It's a light sensitive material. It's a little bit runnier. So it will flow into areas that are more difficult to reach. Huh. Um, it's nice because uh, it, it contains fluoride and it will recharge if it's exposed to more fluoride. So it has a preventative uh, aspect to it once it's in place to help prevent recurrent decay. Can you tell me the name of that again? What That's is a that? glass ionomer. Is that exp expensive? No, it, it, it is not. Um, it's competitive it, with the other stuff you're it using? It is. It, again, it's, it should be put in the right places. It's not as hard as a composite or an amalgam. So if you put it on a chewing surface, you're going to be replacing it more often. They're really great along, say, the gum line of the tooth, where if somebody isn't going to chew, where it's not going to get a lot of traffic. Gotcha. Um, because that's also an area where you'll get not only a cavity, but a recurrent cavity. Oh, it'll start a couple millimeters yeah. side yeah. where that other one was. So that's, yeah, those, those are generally the ones we're using now. Gotcha. So when you see a dentist, generally what happens to me is I see the hygienist and they get all the dirt off of there, yep. make me all clean, clean. And yep. then you get to come in and look at my teeth and they take the x-rays. Yep. And tell me if I'm, if I'm right. Those x-rays are collimated, meaning it's just in a tube. They're not spreading out all Correct. over the place. It's going just to that area. Correct. You've got your lead on. This is not a risky x-ray. The dosage has got to be tiny. The, right? Yeah, especially with the advent of digital x-rays. I mean, the KVP, the exposure times are very low. Yeah, um, so shouldn't, I, people shouldn't fear getting routine x-rays. Correct. They okay. should not. They should not. Okay. Uh, that is something to, uh, again, I keep going back to this, but case-by-case -case basis. Okay. Um, for instance, you hardly ever have any dental issues. If you came to me and said, Pat, I really am uncomfortable with the radiation from this, I would say, well, since you don't have any problems, let's take them every two years instead of every year. Sure. Um, but it's somebody that comes in, and every time I see them, I've got five different things I've got to fix, and they tell me, you know, I'm really uncomfortable about this. That's you got it, bigger problems. Yeah, you got, exactly. We, we, could, we could skip that. Sure. But you're going to lose it too. You're going you're gonna to have pain because I'm right. going to miss something. Right, right. Well, that's the perfect segue into my next topic, tooth pain. Yeah. Toothache. Sure. I remember speaking of this, this canine tooth when it, when it went bad. It hurt so bad. I, I couldn't think of anything else. Um, it's my understanding in the, in the not too long ago. That the number one cause of suicide was tooth pain. It's that bad. You just wanted to be over it, and there was very little they could do in the old days other than Absolutely. pull it out. Absolutely. And I've seen, you know, fossils and things from of the olden days, and you see these abscesses or that have worn through the to yeah. the bone, and these people must have been in excruciating yeah. pain. Absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, you've got you've got a sack of bacteria that's just growing. In, and it's got no bone and it's has, got nowhere to go because that bone is so dense. And bone so, has pain receptors on its surface called a periosteum. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness! So I, I'm sure a, a, a lot of your business, Pat, is somebody calls up. I'm in pain. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to fit them in somehow. Absolutely. So how do you evaluate somebody with tooth pain? I mean, obviously it could be a cavity. Sure. But you've you've mentioned infections. What what are the things you look for when you've got a Somebody comes in with emergency tooth pain. Sure. So um, the first thing you're going to base your initial diagnosis off of is, is symptoms. How does this hurt? Does it hurt because you put pressure on it? Does it hurt because temperatures are bothering it? Is it 
woken you up at night? Does it hurt all the time? Do you have to do something to trigger it? All of those sorts of things start start feeding into that narrative. Um, then obviously you're going to do your visual exam. You're going to do your tactile exam. Do I feel a cavity? Um, is the tooth mobile? Do I see any swelling around the gum? Um, you're also going to take your x-ray. What does what does the bone around the tooth look like? What does that root look like? What is there could the, be a lot of causes, and you've got to do a thorough evaluation. Sure, sure. So, because again, your first thought: somebody comes in, this thing's waking me up at night. I can't chew on the side. I'm avoiding it at all costs. You're thinking tooth infection. So okay. you're thinking, okay, we're probably talking about a root canal or an extraction. Gotcha. Then you start running some more tests on it. So if somebody comes in and tells me they're having pressure sensitivity, the next thing I'm going to do after I have my film and I've just looked at the tooth is take my thumb and push on that tooth. Does that hurt? It doesn't. Okay. Mm. Let me be a little more aggressive. I'll take my mirror handle and I'll tap on that tooth. Does that hurt? If it's infected during one of those two, it's gonna hurt. the patient's going to jump up out of the chair and you're going to know. Right. So, so the root canal takes that infection from the inside of the tooth and obviously gets kills the nerve, right? Correct, correct. But there's still the the pain receptors around in the socket, right? Correct. So you're, you're, a root canal is doing a couple of things. Um, one, you're taking the nerve and severing it from the main branch um, so that the tooth itself will not transmit pain to that branch. Um, the other thing you're doing, just like any other part of your body, anytime there's a nerve, there are blood vessels associated with it as well. So the blood that is being delivered to that tooth to keep it healthy. Once it infects, the bacteria is stealing those nutrients, and that's what it's using to grow. So you're, you're actually taking away the food source for the bacteria when you do this root canal. Oh, and, that's, now. And, that's, and that's why it doesn't recur, because you've, t you've not only taken the nerve out, but you've taken away the bacteria's ability to live and survive. So, yeah, that's one we never really talk about. But No, I've ne I never knew that. Yeah. I've learned another fantastic thing. So now's a good time. I was going to talk about it later, but let's say you've got cold sensitivity. Sure. What What is cold sensitive? Why is there cold sensitivity? And what can you do about it? Um, cold sensitivity can be from a variety of things. Um, infected teeth, because the nerve is inflamed, can be more sensitive to cold. So that could huh. be one of the causes. Usually cold numbs things, but with it, teeth, it's paradoxical. It, it, it can. Um, cold is a weird one with an abscess. I'd say probably 80% of the time, people will come in and say, oh, and then I took, I took a deep breath of cold air, and oh, I just, it just dropped me to my knees. Wow. And then the other 20% of the time, you'll find somebody that says, I've been keeping ice on it, and I feel better when the ice is there. But as soon as that ice is gone, it comes back. So cold can be a little misleading with an infection. Um, cold sensitivity can be because of a cavity. Again, if you've got a weakness in the enamel, the layer underneath that, the dentin, is more porous. So if cold is getting onto that porosity, it's going to conduct to the nerve quicker. It's not touching the nerve directly, but it conducts to that nerve quicker. A lot of times you'll see that along the gum line where they have that gum recession. The enamel ends, the root surface begins, and if that enamel is just a little short of that root surface, you've got that area of dentin that's exposed. And cold uh, stuff will just light, light that up. So what can you do about some exposed dentin around the base of the tooth? Would you have to fill that or cover it or veneer? Or what, 
What do you do? Filling is usually a, a last resort if it's not decayed. Okay, if we're just okay. talking about exposure, it's a healthy, it's a little gum right. recession. So there, there are. Um, there are over-the-counter agents out there that do help with those types of sensitivities. Yeah, I remember I had one, and it was just it was a toothpaste that had mm-hmm. like strontium nitrate mm-hmm. or something. It was just a yeah. salt. Yeah. It's, How the heck does that help? It's a it's a microscopic thing. You put that tooth under the microscope, and you look at those little porosity, those little hexagonal holes, tubules, little, that, little pores. That salt just plugs them up for you. Really? That's all it is. Like I remember getting it, I was hoping it was like lidocaine or something real. It nope. just said strontium nitrate. I go, what the heck is this? That's, that, it's homeopathic, but not. That's an old uh, Sensodyne formulation. Right. I don't think you can find it in the States anymore, and I don't know why. They won't tell you. I think you can still find it over in Europe. Yeah, it was Sensodyne. But Sensodyne has replaced it with, uh, there are two different fluoride components now that are just the right particle size. It just plugs up those spots. And the sensitivity, in, in a lot of cases, goes huh. away. Interesting. Yeah. I seem to remember it did work eventually. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah, I've had a, like, I've had a few patients that specifically ask for that formulation of it and can't find it anywhere because it worked so well for them. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And then there's heat sensitivity. What's sure. that all about? Yeah, heat sensitivity. I mean, again, anything gets hot enough, you're probably going to have some sensitivity. That one usually doesn't tell me much. If it's just warm, I'm not too concerned. Usually not indicating an abscess or anything like that. Usually heat sensitivity is also coupled with switching from extremes, going from cold to hot or hot to cold. It's usually not the heat itself. But yes, some people will come in and say, I can't drink my coffee anymore. This is killing me. Um, usually, again, if it's an abscess, there are some other symptoms that go along with that, the pressure sensitivity, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So it can be addressed. Yep. Yep. Or something else I wanted to deal with are injuries. Mm-hmm. I'll never sure. forget when I was in elementary school. This kid comes running, crying and in distress, with holding his mouth, running up this the hallway to go to the school nurse, right? And I'll never forget, I was a little kid. I looked down, and there's blood the whole yeah. all along the oh, floor. Yeah. He'd gotten hit in the face with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's a severe injury and whatnot. Uh, I'll never forget it. Um Let's say you you hurt you hit your tooth you you hit your face you hit your sure. tooth you chip your tooth sure I assume you should go to the dentist yeah absolutely um my as a safety my general recommendation is if you've had kind of blunt force trauma to the head or face go get checked out for concussion first okay. um and and then come and see us but yes a lot of times we will see somebody who they fall. They're in all kinds of disarray, but their tooth is chipped or broken, and they come to us first. Um, in the last two years, I had a, a lady that tripped over a gas pump at a gas station. Uh, she was somewhere between here and Kansas City. She's been a patient of ours for years. But she fell, chipped her tooth, and that's all she could think about. And she came straight to us. She drove... An hour, right, right. came right to our office, and I took one look. I mean, she's just, she's bruised all over. Uh, um, yeah, she had a chip. She had a cut in her lip. Um, so we kind of talked to her a little bit and said, yeah, let's, let's build this up so that you're not walking around with this diagonal break on this tooth. But okay. you need to go get checked out. And by the, 
by the time the appointment was over, we'd, we'd restored the tooth, we'd polished it up and smoothed it up. She was very appreciative. She starts just talking, chatting. Ah, she had she had dislocated her shoulder. Like she went to the she, ER from there. Uh-huh. She had dislocated her shoulder. She didn't have a concussion. Um, this was uh, during COVID, so they were a little overwhelmed there. Yeah, but we I did wanted things a little differently with COVID. I yeah, wanted I wanted tough. somebody to look at her lip because I yeah. knew it needed something, and they were they were overwhelmed, so they didn't have a plastics guy down there to take a look. Um, she ended up having. I think six fragments of that tooth embedded in that lip and she had to get them removed later. So you can see some, you know, you can see some wild stuff. Some head trauma. Wow. So what can you, so with a a big chip tooth, you said you can build it up. Yeah. Usually again, you're going to use a, you're going to use a composite material, something that's going to bond to the tooth, you know, have some kind of glue because again, when they're broken like that, there's not a lot of, surface there to lock it into you're kind of just trying to get it to accept it um so in a pinch you'll do something like that if you've got a little bit more time and the the break is severe enough you're going to do something like a crown some people call them a cap what is what what is a crown so a a crown is going to be in what we call an indirect restoration it's made outside of the mouth for an individual and put in place later do you have this like a screw or something that goes into the tooth? How do you affix it to the tooth? So that is based entirely on what tooth you have left to work with. You're going to reduce the tooth in every dimension. So you're going to turn it into, you know, some people say it looks like a toothpick when it's done. I, I yeah. prefer like a like a tree stump or like a pyramid with a flat top. Yeah, but you've got, you've got a strong root. You still got a Correct. strong root. Yeah, oh, the God. root's still intact. Okay. So you're reducing what what the patient can see so that you can fit something over the top of it and it still fit in the mouth. You know, if you just try to slam something big over that, the bite's going to be wrong, the tooth is going to be out too far, all of those things. So you've got to make the It has to last. It right. has to be durable right. strong. Right. you got to bite that corn on the cob. That's, that's right. you got to be able the to bite that corn death. on the cob. The ultimate test. So, um, you know, ceramics are, are all over the place right now. They're getting better all the time. Um, so the materials of the crown you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the materials of the crown. So... Um, zirconia is kind of my go-to right now. It's the most durable thing out there on the market. But isn't that a metal color? It if you if you heat treat it, it will turn tooth colored. And you I'll can, be damned. And you can stain it. Um, you can do all kinds of stuff with it. So yeah, it it got its claim to fame because it's imitation diamond, right? Right. Um, and but, Frank Zappa had this song about the encrusted tw- zirconium encrusted tweezers. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So anyway, that that's my go-to. It's very durable. It's it's not always as aesthetic. Um, so then you can get into some pressed glasses. Um, some guys still use porcelain. Porcelain can chip pretty easily. So we've okay. kind of gotten away from that now. So that's something that you do. You so you do in your general general dentistry practice. You also do cosmetic work. Sure, absolutely. Make I mean, a lot of what you, nice. a lot of what you're doing is cosmetic on some level. I mean, if sure, you, right? If you if you're fixing a tooth just off center and you pick a shade that's too yellow, they're not going to be happy. It's not going to look right. right. So, right. and the, but also, you know, if, uh, if this tooth is a certain height and you restore this one and you make it taller or shorter, they're going to look at that and say, well, it's done, it's done match anymore. Right. So, so yeah, there's a lot of aesthetics to it. I mean, everything you're doing is aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, aesthetics in and of themselves are not a specialty. You'll get you'll get plenty of guys that go and do extended training on 
uh, the best way to do veneers. I mean, there used to be whole cottage industries about this. Las Vegas Dental Institute was one of them for a so while. So you go there for a weekend or something, yeah, get a yeah, certificate. Well, yeah, exactly. You do some extra training. They, you know, they tell you the types of materials they recommend, not just the ceramics, but the bonding agents and the, the prep parameter, the preparation parameters, what you do to the tooth, how much you take away, how much you leave, why you leave what you leave. All so that so tell me, what, what is a veneer? I mean, obviously you... Veneer on a surface is a coating or a, sure the the outer layer that you see. Sure, this is maybe a veneered wood here, but right. well, what what is that when you're talking about teeth? So on a tooth, a veneer is just going to cover the facing of the tooth, or I guess a, a surface of the tooth. In most cases, it's going to be the labial Front, or the facial that of you the can tooth. see. Okay, right. Um, also, an indirect restoration, so that's made outside of the mouth uh, and then uh, fitted on later. Um, fitted. I don't think that's right. Fit or glued <laughs> or ex- yeah, you use, you use a uh, a luting agent is what you use. It's not it's not a glue. Uh, again, a lot of this is based on prep design. The walls have to have a certain parallelism to them. The reduction has to be a certain amount. And the reduction then, we on 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 the on the, tooth tooth, itself, on the native tooth. Yes, on the native tooth. So you have to take some down. You you do. You have to remove. You some can't of just that. stick these on. You well, you, you, you can. You can. But again, but, it's gonna. It's going to stick out. Yeah, you get chiclet teeth. Yeah. yeah. We you don't want, want that. It, you want it lined up with everything else. You've got to take something away. And is that damaging the tooth? I guess to some degree, a little it, bit. Absolutely. You're, you're taking away enamel. You're taking away the strongest part uh, of the tooth. Now, in mo- again, most of the time when we're doing this, it's because there's already damage there. Okay. But yeah, you do have people that come in and say, hey, you know, you're going to have to reduce my teeth and this sort of thing. Um. But they're willing to do that. And again, if you if you aren't too aggressive with it, you can do it well, and it can last a long time. It can last and a long can, time. And it and can look can, really nice. And it can look really nice. Yeah. So veneers are still a thing. They are. And an experienced dentist like you has the options of the various sure. substances sure. And, and techniques to be able to do that. Sure. Absolutely. Again, based based solely on case selection, patient, you know, patient needs, patient desires, um, and what kind of patient they are. You know, if if I know if I know my guy is going to want corn on the cob once a week, I'm probably not going to put a veneer on because a veneer just sticks on the facing, taking that corn in your gut, pushing, pushing it against pop that off? thing, it's going to pop loose. Ah. So then I so then I'd say, look, you need a crown. I need to cover that tongue side of this tooth as well. We need 360 ah. degrees of coverage for better retention. Gotcha, gotcha. Now. Seems like all the time, whenever I watch TV, there's something for the latest whitening agent. Yeah, yeah. And when I got my Invisaligns, mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, you can put some of this whitening stuff in there." I did. Use it as a tray. Yep. It worked nicely, but then it started to hurt. Yeah. Why do whitening agents cause pain? What's happening there? Well, again, we're probably dealing with some exposed areas, areas where the enamel's a little bit weaker right and there's more. The, yeah. the, the bay, right around exactly. the gum line there. So, I mean, the active ingredient in that is a peroxide. Ah, um, that's hence the fizzing. Exactly. And the and, oxidation, the bleaching action. Exactly. And so you get that stuff into the, the, the deeper area of the tooth, you're going to have a response. That's, to that it. was why I needed the Sensodyne. Exactly. That I stopped exactly. using it and it's went away. Yep. So... These things we're seeing on TV, the the, the applicators, and those are peroxide based. The, they're all yeah. Um, it's and it's usually not a hydrogen peroxide; it's a carbamide peroxide. If it's if it's an over the counter product, the active ingredient is probably somewhere between seven and seven point five percent. Anything beyond that, you could have sensitivity or 
again, not yeah, supposed I to be administering me. that stuff to people without a thorough dental exam. You know, yeah, I, mine was prescription and it was like 17%. Yes. It was thick. Yeah. It was it's, foamy, strong stuff. Right, right. It is. Now, does the peroxide, those various peroxides, do they weaken the teeth? I have not seen anything to suggest that. Um, okay. So maybe if you put it on your tooth, avoided the gum line. Correct. You have the best of both worlds. Correct. Is that what I'm yeah, there's. Because um, you don't need to whiten your molars. You're just going for the front. Usually. That's right. That's where those custom trays come in handy. You know, a lot of the over the counter products, yeah, some of them look like chapstick anymore. That's right. going to yeah, get all yeah. over the place. Um, right. A lot of them are just those clear strips that you kind of tape on there. But yeah, but those, those you can't get them on. I, that, yeah, I, I tried that. How exactly. do you get it to stay on? You can't get it to stay or if your teeth are short, it's going to cover your gum. You're going to have burning gums, all of that sort of yeah, thing. So, uh, so yes, it's more expensive if you do it through a professional, but we can custom make you a tray that fits your mouth. We can trim it so that it's not up against the gum. We can show you where to place the stuff so that it doesn't get up there, all of that sort now, of thing. Can you do actual photo treatments or something is there anything you can do in the office to do the actual bleaching and the, the yeah. whitening yeah we have uh i mean we have an in-office system uh with the, with a very high percentage i think it's 35 percent peroxide um, yeah um, okay. in those cases we're using uh we're using lip retractors and a tongue retractor so the tissue doesn't get in and there's um i mean it's almost like a caulk that you put around the gum before you ever apply this stuff. Ah, uh, see, do, that's, that's, the, that's the posh way. That, 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 right. That, if, you, if you want to go top flight, right. you can lighten teeth very nicely yes, in about, without those other things. In about an hour and a half for two hours. And anymore, we're a society that likes instant gratification. Sure. I, I don't want to work at this for 10 days to get where I want to be. I want it, I want it now. Sure. And so that's where that in-office stuff comes so in. You, you can do that. Yep. Oh, yeah. We do that. We do that often. I mean... Yeah, we do that often. We've done a lot more aesthetic stuff since COVID. I think Interesting. I think people really started looking at themselves in those Zoom meetings that they were having. And, yes, oh, and, I'm and, getting older, man. Yeah, I can see the wrinkles. I, I think more they're gray just, in my beard now. They just start picking themselves apart. I know. You can see it. Your it, face is right there. You can't and, help it. And so I've had more people come in and say, I'm tired of this tooth that's rotated or I'm tired of this shade. I want to do something. I want to fix I've done. I've done more Invisalign in the last year and a half than I did in my first 10 years of practice. Well, let's, let's talk about that briefly because um, Invisalign is where you don't need – braces for people who it's not so bad so it's not braces you're gluing on there and metal and right. all this kind of stuff right you were able to look at my teeth take casts and there was some computer program that made these 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 things that snapped on it moved it a little bit and then every Correct. few weeks i'd graduate or months whatever it was i'd and you had little things glued on to get some torque on there right and right. you were able to straighten out my teeth very nicely yeah they weren't horrible um no, but, you didn't. You didn't have a lot that needed to be done, and and they're able to do more and more with it now. Just a, a, it, yeah. a brief history. It was invented. Please, please tell me. It was invented for orthodontic relapse patients, people that had braces, right? Lost their retainer, that, stopped wearing that it. Was me. me too. Yeah. Um, and and so things started shifting back, and so they found that with the the right thickness of plastic, they could influence movements over a period of time. Um, and since then, they've pumped so much research and development into it. So the material's getting thicker or stiffer without, not thicker, but stiffer at the same thickness. Um, those little things that I glued onto your teeth, that's just yeah. tooth-colored composite material. They have, I, 
they have more designs for those buttons now than I can count to get all kinds of different movements. Do we want to pull the tooth down? Do we want to force it up? Uh, do we want to turn it? Do we want to, what do we, do we want to turn it this way? Do we want, you know, whatever. So you can, you can control them in all of these dimensions now, but yeah, it's, it's really a fascinating product. Um, you, you take uh, a mold of the teeth. Um, you can digitally scan it now too. Uh -huh. Um, those scanners are a little expensive. I don't have one yet, but I've, uh, I'd like to can't play. be better I, than the mold, but it, it, it is not, it is, it is not as good as the mold. Yeah. Um, but it is the way, it is the way the technology I mean, is taking us. So we're going to, we're going to, you can scan, you can fit yourself for a jacket, you know, with, it, with the phone it, now. In, in our lifetime, I probably right. won't need to buy that scanner. I'll probably right, right, just it'll be take an my app. phone. It'll be an app on my phone. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, they, you send them the information. Um, they have a computer mock-up. Um, they, again, they can predictably say, I can move the tooth here or there. Um, this is a little bit more unpredictable. We might be causing some trouble if we try to move it this far, that sort of thing. Um, and then they kick it back to the dentist. So they, they kind of do the grunt work for you in terms of the, the basic planning. But then I can look uh -huh. at it and say, yeah, but this patient wants a little bit of a wider smile, so we're going to flare these out a little bit. Or, you know, I didn't like the final position of this. And you kind of go back and forth with the technician. So you're not just you're, – you're participating in the decisions. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm not just taking what they're giving me and saying, here you go, good luck. I'm, I'm fiddling with it. And they, they've made that easier too. Um, you can literally click on every tooth in that computer-generated model. What does it look like if I turn it counterclockwise just a little bit? That. What does it look like if I flare it? Oh, it's I love it's it. great, but again, talk about going down the rabbit hole. Sometimes, very sometimes I'm 20 minutes in, and I say, you know what? I got to hit the reset button on this because I've moved so many things. Sure. So, so anyway, um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Um, it's a nice service you can provide, especially to adults. Now, orthodontists do it all the time too with kids. Um, yeah, but, when, but a when, lot of when, adults when, don't want to go back to the orthodontist and sit in a room with ten kids. Yeah. So when do you break. when do you choose an orthodontist and when do you choose a a, a, a general dentist with experience such as you sure. who can do a, a similar service? How do you choose? Well, you know, again, it, you know? they're they're going through me, and I want to have a high success rate. So if if it looks remotely complicated, I'm going to say. Talk or to the orthodontist first. If, okay. you, if you get a really bad vibe from them, come back to me. Um, you know, the, um, the other option out there right now is uh, Smile Direct Club, which basically cuts out the practitioner. So I don't know. I wanted to mention that to you. So you can just so buy your own. Yeah, the patients are somehow taking a mold. Again, I don't know how accurate that material is because right. they're not going to be mixing a liquid powder like we do. Right. That, that, and then. It goes to the technician. The technician makes all the trays and just sends them to the patient. No buttons to help control movements. Right. It's just the trays fitting. It's the same tray technology that Invisalign uses. But I think it's off patent now. But it, it's off patent. Exactly. So the the that when the now. patent ran out, the competitors kind of swooped in. And, you know, for if you're trying to move a tooth, a millimeter or two, fine. Try that out. And if it doesn't work, we'll talk. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I just don't see how they're going to get predictable results i don't see how they're going to get results that last as long as something like an invisalign would do and technically you are practicing medicine without a license um uh, I, this I, is medicine i think this is medical 
you know, it's it's like a lot of other businesses. Ask ask for forgiveness later. Right, Get yeah, into yeah. the market and ask yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, some states, and I think it's already happened in some. It has not happened here, but I think state legislatures are going to step in and shut shut people down. And then what? If you're in the middle of treatment right, and right. all of a sudden they're out of business, it can lead you it can leave you in some trouble. And it's true in everything. You get what sure. you pay for. Sure. Sure. And this is where you probably don't want to skimp. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's just fascinating stuff. Now, are there any other uh, dental services that you provide that that a person would like to, people would like to know about? We've talked about uh, brightening teeth and fixing stains and fixing uh, chips and whatnot. We've talked about uh, moving teeth. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think one? probably the other thing that we haven't covered very much is uh, any kind of uh, temporomandibular disorder. So oh, problems, TMJ, TMJ uh, problems. Again, I have a friend in, in the Northern Virginia. People flew to him from all over the mm, world. Yeah. He was Mr. Dr. TMJ. Yeah. Yeah. There are some oh, guys that God. really have done some advanced studying on it. Again, I think it's, I, I think it's uh, based on the individual. Uh-huh. I don't think there are any hard, set, fast rules on the job, but something that we've just seen increase exponentially since COVID. Stress levels have been through the roof. Uh, uh, mask wearing and the position you put your lower jaw in to make that mask fit better. Uh, we have seen we have seen more of this, more pain than again than I can remember seeing. Talk about an unintended consequence. Yeah, it's a weird See, because when we. You know, I wear masks all the time as doing surgery, but mm-hmm. they're they're loose. Yeah, absolutely. And we're literally breathing under them. They're not these mm-hmm. N95 uh, sealed when, contraptions. I I think about it a lot because for two and a half years I was wearing N95 masks. Yeah, you and, had a t- when I saw you, you had a tight oh mask. You had the goodness. double oh, thing. Jeez, we were you were yeah, Darth Vader, it was, man. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would intentionally jut that lower chin out to get a better seal and that's on the gonna, bottom of that N95, gonna and it's going to put stress on there. And then wow. just stress in general, being stressed out about the situation. Sure, sure. clench and grind their teeth. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's more of an advisement thing. There are appliances you can make. Um, usually I will start a patient with uh, some kind of an occlusal guard, something that they sleep in at night to keep their teeth apart. Is that also used for tooth grinding? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Same sort of thing. And a lot of times I'll tell a patient, start with an over-the-counter. Go to Walmart, go to Walgreens. There's like 20 different types out there right now. Really? Find one that fits you okay, that you can tolerate falling asleep in. And if you can sleep in it all night, after a month, let's talk. Are you feeling better or is it not working? When I was younger, I I had some kind of appliance I was supposed to wear at night. I'd go to sleep with it. And every morning, it would be gone. I would literally (laughs) find it on the other side. I had literally woken up in my sleep. I had I had hated. Yes. I'd thrown it across yeah. the room. I had no memory of that. This, this is the I hated that. This, this is the conversation I have with a lot of my patients. I said, if you're uh, waking up every morning and you can't find it or it's not in there, then we need to make you something custom fitting, um, uh, because it's it's got to stay in there. People people are going to do the most intense clenching, bruxing, grinding when they hit their REM sleep. Uh, so once they get into that deep sleep state, that's when they're going to do it. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if you have a partner laying next to you waking you up and saying, "Hey, you're grinding again. Right, you got to stop." Right, right, as soon as you hit that rim, you're going to start again. Gotcha. So you need that you need that device in there to keep you from generating as much force. Um, and some people kind of look at you 
puzzled. They're like, well, I'm still going to be able to bite on this thing. Um, what, what I learned in school, they called the pop, popsicle stick trick. If you take a popsicle stick and you try to bite into it with your back teeth on one side, mm-hmm. you, can, you can bite through that thing. Uh. I mean, it's not, it doesn't take much. It's a popsicle stick. But try to do the same thing with your front teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Different level You're, of power. Yeah, right. right. It's yeah. part of where the hinge is and all of that. But it's also proprioceptive fibers. Your brain knows. Hey, you're, yeah, you're, your yeah, you're, you're, putting, yeah. you're putting some pressure in a place you really shouldn't be. And so that guard will separate those front ones, too. So that, that relieves some of that tension that you can create. Gotcha. Um, so guard therapy is always a great place to start. And then from there, you can look at therapeutic massage. Some people have luck with chiropractics. Um, I have a, a good buddy that swears by acupuncture when his flares up. Gotcha. Um, and all the way up to some kind of surgical procedure, which is very similar now to a hip replacement. They can replace that joint. They can have it pre-made. Wow. Custom for you. I mean, that's not anything you're going to want to go through. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. last that's resort. It's so painful. Last resort. You're willing to do that. But it, but it can be you move done. your jaw all the time. Correct. If you have severe jaw pain, it, apparently it really is one of the most horrible things you can have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple of, I think the nerdiest fact about the jaw is it's the one joint in your body that has to work bilaterally constantly. Ah. Everything else, yeah. right and left side can work, even your hips. You can make your right hip but that, but that yeah. jaw, if the left side's off, the right one's going to be feeling it too because they're connected. Everything you do, chewing, yawning, talking, all of that stuff. Very simple, but very profound concept. Yeah. Wow. Now, the final thing I wanted to talk to you about was, was pain yeah. and how you control it. Everyone's afraid. I mean, in the days of old, you'd sure. hold them down and pull the tooth out and, <laughs> yeah. and, and take, a, take a shot of whiskey. Take a shot of whiskey. Here we and go. That's what you did. Um, so I just maybe you could just give a few words on the wonderful things you can do to minimize pain. What I noticed, different from my childhood, is you take a Q-tip with numbing solution and you put it on the gum even before you put the needle yeah. in. Yeah. So even the needle doesn't have to really hurt now. Yeah, sure. I mean, people are still going to react to getting a shot, but um, but yeah, there are all sorts of there are all sorts of agents out there with modern medicine that we can use. But the topical benzocaine, just a, a topical anesthetic, is a great pre-injection thing to do. Yeah. Um, doesn't always taste the best, but it it numb, it. but it numbs it. that tissue up. Um, you guys are getting very good at minimizing pain. Yeah. So you're bringing a kid in or whatnot. They don't have to be terrified of going to correct, the dentist. Correct. Right? Um, thinner gauge needles. Um, you know, oh. I think we're using a 25 or a 27. Finer needles so. now. Now, do you still um, use much nitrous oxide laughing gas? You brought up kids, and I was gonna and I was gonna go into that. I do I do recommend it for the younger kids. Um, some adults have a lot of anxiety, and we'll use that on them too. Um, kids and baby teeth. For whatever reason, there's enough of an analgesia in the nitrous that a lot of times they can skip the shot altogether. Uh-huh. Um, so we can do two or three teeth at a time, and the kid's just got a mask on. Um, that works on a lot of levels. One, like I said, it's an analgesia, so the kid isn't going to feel as much. Um, two, it's a pretty big mask, so those wandering eyes don't see all the scary little sharp objects we're passing back and forth. Right. And um, three, it usually you know, lowers anxiety. 
Now those kids out, they hold still. I mean, sometimes I just need two more minutes of stillness to get this finished without these hands and legs going this way and that and adjusting their pants or whatever the heck they're doing because they're just fidgety, you know? So, so yeah, we do use that. Um, I used it on my kids when they needed work. Um, I usually recommend it for most kids. Um, and then, uh, you know, other things like if if a patient comes in with a specific tooth pain, uh, a fluoride application to a sensitive area usually helps. Um, if it's an infection, obviously you, anymore, I recommend we're starting with a round of antibiotics before we ever even touch this tooth. Um, infection can counteract anesthesia. So I will have people coming in adamant, this tooth is coming out today, or we're starting this root canal today. That's where you get this. When you tell somebody, I'm going in for a root canal, that's why they have that bad story. Because they, uh, they had it done same day, full-blown infection, anesthesia didn't work, where you know a week or two with some antibiotics, cool it that down. die down, right. and then it goes very smooth. Fantastic. Well, gee, I'm learning so much from oh, you, Pat. What good. A, what a, I hope so. What a great conversation we're having. Now, I want you to go through the recesses of your mind, and I want you to think of the craziest story, the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in the practice of dentistry. It can be during your training. We, like you told me about the injury that woman had. She, sure. Over the, uh, the gas line there. Or uh, what's the craziest thing you ever found in someone's mouth or... Craziest thing ever. So I'll, I'll tell you one in the GYN world. I had a, a woman had, let's say, a boo-boo on her lady mm-hmm. parts. Mm-hmm. And the husband thought he could get rid of it with an X-Acto knife. Oh. And they had put ice on it, and he had kind of gotten halfway through it and realized, uh-oh, I'm over my head. Right? So the home, home sur- I can tell you some home surgery stories. Gosh, no, and no, that, no. Has anybody ever like been in there and gotten halfway into a tooth and it said maybe i should see a professional usually they're doing that with um their dentures they're adjusting them themselves okay with a with a dremel in their Ah, their wood shop there you you go and they'll drill a hole through it or something then you got then you got to fix it at least Um, that's not going to bleed yeah yeah right yeah they're not doing anything that can't be that can't be fixed um i think my favorite denture story was the guy i saw he needed a new set after he went on a cruise and he had gotten seasick. Uh, and when he threw up overboard, the teeth went with him. Uh, he threw so up his teeth overboard. They were gone. He lost his dentures at sea. <laughs> um, so that, uh, I mean, that's not anything too gross, gross or gruesome. Um, I'm looking for gross and gruesome. What sure. Well, I mean, the top the, line. The, the, thing that, the thing that I find in the mouth that always makes me chuckle is pubic hair. That always, ah, that always that's a good one. I'm always like, mm, okay. <laughs> There's a joke about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, you I'll, know. I'm I let it, save I, that I for don't after ask them. them. I just say, I'm going to get this out of here. <laughs> that always, I always laugh. I'm always laughing yeah. under my mask when I see something like that. <laughs> Any um, other foreign bodies? Or yeah, usually there's nothing. Uh, usually there's nothing really. Li- I, I dug ortho wire out of somebody's cheek one time. They had been to the orthodontist the week before, and they'd had a new wire put in place. And there's always extra wire. Yeah, assistant snapped it off and right. assumed it was gone, but snapped it and it just like embedded into the like near the parotid. So we had to fish that thing yeah, out of there. That out, a little dental surgery there. Um, I I think the wackiest the wackiest thing that happened. We had um, sisters. They were probably seven and ten. 
and the older sister convinced the younger one to super glue vampire fangs onto her teeth. That's a good one. Yeah. That was a stressful day. So they yeah, were on there. They, 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 they were, were on, on there. No, that was <laughs> get out the handpiece, drill out the drill off the fangs and sections. And because the glue was so adhesive, baby teeth were coming out with it. It, it was ah. it was an, and that poor older sister felt felt awful. Ah. Just felt <laughs> awful. But that was that was that was a, a crazier one. Well, that's a uh, great that's yeah. a great story. I like that. Well, we're going to end on that. Um, Pat, I want to thank you for a wonderful discussion. I learned a lot. I hope our audience has learned a lot about general dentistry and all the various things you can do to help them. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to coming back for some of my work. And my family's going to be seeing you shortly as well. Well, it's always a pleasure when you guys come in. Thanks for having me. I, I was skeptical. I didn't know if I could make dentistry that interesting. <laughs> so I'm glad. Hopefully, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. And Heard a few funny things and maybe learned something. Or I think that everyone has a mouth and they have teeth and everyone needs a dentist from time to time. So, Pat, thank you once again. Hey, you're welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me.